Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Long live the king. Hey, you're listening to Known For, a filmography podcast. With me, Becca, and my co-host... Hey, this is Bob Shoy. So we've been watching lots of Lawrence Fishburne movies recently, uh, which was your choice, wasn't it, Bob? It was. How come like, How come you chose Lawrence Fishburne? What drew, drew you to him? Um, I am always happy to see him turn up in a film. Mm-hmm. It's like a bit of a treat. Yeah. Um, I like, for example, like a fairly recent film he was in he was like in ant-man and the wasp okay as like a supporting role yeah so when i go and see ant-man and the wasp and then Lawrence fishburne shows up i go oh it's him yeah like i always happy to see him i feel like a lot of the stuff i've seen him in he's been like a supporting role mm. so and i'm always been like oh he's like really good yeah. but he's not like the main one of the main like protagonists or anything so yeah. this was quite cool to see more of his back catalogue and see him in like different roles and stuff like that with more of a prominent like prominent role yeah and even in he is in we watched quite a few where he was like the prominent role the main role mm. but even like a lot of his big films he is a he's, supporting role yeah he's, still, he's a supporting actor yeah and it's a real shame because when he gets a chance to be a lead actor yeah he's really good yeah and watching through because like I say I've seen a lot of his films but a lot of his older ones I hadn't seen and Mm. Um, there was some like glaring emissions from his catalogue that I hadn't seen. Mm-hmm. And actually when I was watching them, I was like, he's well underrated. Mm. Like he might be one of the most underrated actors around. Yeah. I feel like we, there was like recurring themes to a lot yeah. of his movies that we sort of like noticed. Yeah. Okay. So what, what was something that you thought he was maybe typecast or at least like they lent on? So I feel like he always plays... Like a really intellectual character, mm-hmm. even if he's comes from like a really underprivileged background, he always seems to be quite. Um, he's very well spoken. Yeah, he has like an authoritative voice. Yeah, he's always like very knowledgeable, mm-hmm. um, and also um, a lot of his films are to do with like racial prejudice. Yeah, that was that was something that came up quite a lot. Mm. Um, I've written here um, that he often, I noticed he was a mentor figure. Yeah. Either literally in some films like Searching for Bobby Fischer or something, yeah. Keeler and the Bee, mm-hmm. or kind of just like, even in like Boys in the Hood, where he's the guy's dad. Yeah. He's very like his mentor. Yeah. And he always takes on that mentor role. Yeah. Um, and I guess it's because he has that, 
he has like a he has a great voice. Like it's really soothing, but mm. also very stern at the same time. It's like authoritative. Yeah, like really, but in like a warm way. Yeah, he's like I could I would take instructions from him. <laughs> I want him to do IKEA instruction audio books. Yeah, it'd make it um, tolerable. Um, I got an interesting fact about Lawrence Fishburne. Right. Um, did you know? I just read this today. Yeah. He is a founding member mm. of the Guggenheim Motorcycle Club. Wow. Which is um, a group of bikers uh, that arrange rides to art museums around the world. That's amazing. How? When can I join? <laughs> That's pretty cool, right? <laughs> Where do they ride from? I don't know. All over. They have meets and then drive to art museums. That's so good. I love that. So yeah, um, Lawrence Fishburne, he was super, super underrated. And I've really, really enjoyed watching some of these yeah. films that I hadn't seen. I'd not, like, there's a big, there's like a big few films that he's like known for. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll talk about that in a second when we talk about his like IMDb known for. Mm-hmm. But um like a lot of stuff they'd done I'd never heard of. Right, okay. Um, I probably should have. But And obviously we didn't watch his entire back catalogue. Yeah. We'd seen a lot already and then we picked out some, Cherry some were recommended pick. to yeah. us and if he's nominated for some like ones that stood out, mm. we watched. So we watched a fair few. Yeah. And as usual, we'll go, go through the ones we watched. But yeah, the stuff that I hadn't seen, there were some that I really, really enjoyed. I, I on the whole, really enjoyed a lot of the ones we watched. Mm. So um, I was going to do this top. Yeah, let's do it. So what are currently his um, known for for? So this has changed again. Like this changes quite frequently um, from when I first looked. But it's mm-hmm. currently uh, The Matrix, 1999. Matrix Reloaded, 2003. Contagion, 2011. And Mystic River, 2003. Okay. Now, the, that's an interesting selection. Mm. I think, unlike the last few where we've kind of been a little bit like, well... The known for a pretty good evaluation of this actor, yeah. actually. I think for this, ours is going to be wildly different from that. Right. Yeah. I also think, well, the other one that sometimes swaps out is like Mystic River for the final Matrix. Yeah, exactly. Uh, revolu- you don't, revolution. You don't so. need all the Matrix films in there. He's, no, yeah, exactly. He's so much better than just, like Morpheus is an amazing character. And oh, I love yeah. those films, but he's more than that. And I, I think, think I think a lot of times people still think of him as, oh, it's Morpheus. I think also like... Mm, they're probably the most famous films that he's been in, maybe. Do you think so? Well, like, what, some of them. We'll go through them, but I think there's some... But I think not, that's why they're in there. There's some. There's one especially that I'm shocked isn't is known for, but we'll come to it as we go. Yeah, okay. But let's let's talk about the ones that are there. So we'll just start with The Matrix. We'll just talk about all of The Matrix films. Okay. Do you like The Matrix? Better? Yeah, I love it. <laughs> I love The Matrix. I haven't seen it for a long time though, so I think my memory is going to be a little bit like. Yeah, we didn't get a chance skewer. to rewatch it for this, but I think I've seen we, those films a lot. Yeah, I think we have to go back and watch them. Especially the first one, I've seen a lot. I think I'm just going to choose like Keanu Reeves next, right, okay. like just because I want to rewatch The Matrix. <laughs> the um, the first one, yeah, is like a perfect sci-fi film yeah it might be like just the best straight up sci-fi film mm. yeah it's really good do you remember like the, the concept of it was like oh it was mind blowing yeah do you remember the first time you watched it did you watch it when it first came out no I was only I was only nine when it came out okay so like it would have been 11. a bit old for me so I, I saw it when it came out on VHS I was so, probably like 14 or 15 maybe when I saw it 
I was like 11, 12. When, if I was 11 when it came out, it probably, I was probably 12 when it was out on VHS because I remember it was such a big deal yeah. but I was slightly too young to really notice what the big deals were in films. Yeah. But I went to stay at my dad's flat when he um, got his flat yeah. that I moved into with him and it was before I moved in with him and there was a Blockbusters down the road so we went down to Blockbusters and it was like the big new release. Mm. Oh, let's see what all the fuss is about. Mm-hmm. And I was a little bit young to like get all of it, but I still remember it blowing me away. Mm. And I remember that I remember just watching it like in silence. And then when it finished, it was kind of late, and I went straight to bed. Mm. And the next, but I was thinking about it in bed. Yeah. And the next morning, I was just like, I couldn't stop thinking about this film, and I was blown away by it. And then when I came through, um, Dad and his partner, they were talking about, oh, I didn't really like it. What do you think? Nah, it's overrated. Oh, right. And they didn't really like it. And I was just Whoa. sitting there thinking, it was so good. Like yeah. my child brain was just going, oh my god! I thought it was like amazing. It blew my mind. Well, I didn't and it, he didn't. He didn't really like. But my dad's not big on sci-fi mm. at all. I loved it. It was so like futuristic. It was so cool. It was so like. And the effects were like they still look cool now. Like the underground like scene of it and stuff. Like mm. they're trying to like evade like shit and yeah. It's just it was so good. Yeah. His quote about the character of Morpheus which I loved I pulled this out because I thought you'd like it as well because he said when he re- when he first watched the screening for the actors screening of it yeah. when it was all cut first he was like like he found himself quite scary in it right he was like oh man Morpheus is scary even though he was playing it he He's was like so foreboding de- yeah he was so like detached right, from the yeah. character when watching it he was like his laid back normal self but that character's quite stern and yeah foreboding exactly yeah. so he said when he watched it he was like whoa yeah he found him quite an intimidating character and um, he said that he liked playing Morpheus because he said Morpheus is like playing Obi-Wan Kenobi and Darth Vader if they were one character. Oh, yeah, that's pretty accurate. <laughs> nice. But yeah, this is like, we talk about him being cast as mentor characters. This is like the ultimate mentor yeah. character. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I don't want to jump to John Wick too quickly, but like him and Keanu, like later on, teaming up again. Mm. Um, John Wick it's nice to see he does that with a couple of actors and actresses doesn't yeah, he like yeah. kind of they gets them like back I've got two or three um, actors on here that he's worked with multiple times yeah but yeah so Morpheus such a great iconic character I can't see any form of any Lawrence Fishburne podcast where they're not saying The Matrix is like I up still, there for him like you said earlier I still just like associate Lawrence Fishburne with Morpheus like yeah, it's I just think a go-to does. like thing I wonder if he just feels like it's hard to shake. That's the thing when you play such an iconic character. Because mm. in a way, I almost think Morpheus is more iconic than Neo. Yeah. Even though he's not the main character, he's like so memorable as a character. Yeah. And he's just all over that film. And a lot of people aren't fond. If Even if they love the first one, a lot of people don't like the second and third. Right. Um, I am not a big fan of the second, I'll be honest. Mm. I think it just goes... I don't know, some part of me loves how over the top it gets. Mm. And some part of me is like, oh, come on. Like, some of the scenes are so long and it's just like escalation right, upon yeah. escalation. And the third one's even more hated, but I actually prefer the third one. Okay. Because at least it's different. It's yeah. much more in the real world and you've got the war yeah. in the real world going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I found interesting. And it's really always cool to see Morpheus in the real world with his, like, almost like tribal leader yeah I love seeing him in that mode because it's so different to the way you see him in the Matrix with his sunglasses and stuff yeah he's like cool and towering in the Matrix when he's in the real world he's like tribal leader which yeah, is like yeah. really cool mm. I just yeah I love it but what do you, do you like the second and third ones as well though what are your opinion of those 
I haven't seen them for a long time. I think it's been... When do, have we ever seen them together? Yeah, I've watched them with you. It must have been over, like, seven or eight years ago, though, probably. Mm, I'd say maybe seven years ago. So... This is the last time I watched them, but I've seen them so many times up to then. I've not seen them that much, you see. Mm-hmm. I've probably seen them, like, two or three times maximum. Okay, the but first like, one I've seen loads. Second and third I've probably only seen yeah. two or three times. I think I need to rewatch them again. Okay. Before being like, what one's my favourite? Because I'm not... I think the first one, like, stuck sticks in my mind because it's just was, like so groundbreaking at the time, like, when I first saw it, but... I don't know. I think I need to see them in, like, quick succession as well, like, one after the other, again, to, like, make my decision. A good Lawrence Fishburne fact about it. Do you remember the character for The Matrix, Cass? No. She's one of, like, you know, they have that, their team of rebels. Right. Um, she played by... Has she got blonde hair? No. Oh. It's this woman. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She's played by an actress called uh, Gina Torres. Right. Um, Lawrence Fishburne ended up marrying her. Whoa. Well, after the films. So I think they were married by the time the second one. Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah. And he's got two children from his previous marriage and one child with her. Are they still married? Yeah. Oh, wow. That's so cool. So that's cool. Um, Yeah. Huh. That's pretty cool, right? And um, yeah, little fact. The only other little fact I've got about The Matrix and uh, Lawrence Fishburne is that during the training for the second one, he broke his arm. Oh, no. <laughs> it's pretty intense training for those films, though. Jeez. Yeah. So that's The Matrix. Um, they're, mm-hmm. uh, even if you don't like them, they are one of a kind. Yeah. And I'll be interested to see what happens with that fourth one. There's a fourth one being made. Yeah, that's fairly exciting. All After all this time as well. As of the, this recording, I haven't heard anything about Lawrence Fishburne returning for that, though. Mm. So Yeah, but his stuff's quite under the radar. I know Keanu's in it. And I don't know what else. I'd heard all sorts of rumours. The last crazy rumour I heard is that, oh, it's like a prequel story and it has, like, John Boyega playing a young Morpheus and stuff like that. Oh, weird. So who knows? That film could be anything. It might be prequels and... I like John Boyega, but I don't see him as a young Morpheus. No. But then we don't know what Morpheus was like when he was young. Mm, True. So. Do you want to know what it is? The Matrix is everywhere. It is all around us. Even now, in this very room. You can see it when you look out your window, or when you turn on your television. You can feel it when you go to work, when you go to church, when you pay your taxes. It is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Remember, all I'm offering is the truth, nothing more. Um, so what else have we got on the Known Force? Contagion. Right, okay. Next one. What do you think of this um, one? Which I watched for the first time. Yes, yeah, I really liked it. Yeah. 
It's like um, it follows like a number of people though. So he again, he's like not a main character. He sort. I of, would say he is maybe he one like, of the main characters because there's so many characters in it, but they start dying and yeah. There's maybe like six main characters. He's the one who's sort of like is the thread that binds them all together. Yeah, I would say so. Like so in a way, he's the main character, but it's one of them films where no one's really. I the don't main feel character. like he gets the most screen time though. It's kind of like it's him and. Um, what other actor is in it? Who uh, plays the dad? I'm drawing a blank on it. Matt Damon. Matt Damon. I think of him and Matt Damon are sort of the main two characters. Kate Winslet. Yeah, she, she's not a main character. You Jude think Law she's... plays a bizarre Australian. This is what I wanted to say about this film. It's like <laughs> there's one cartoon character in a cast of normal human beings. Jude Law's character is so ridiculous in that film. He's he's a bucktooth Australian wearing like a flat cap. Yeah, and it's like it's, the weirdest thing. It's like a cartoon character in the middle of a serious film. Do you think they just got the like English stereotype like completely wrong? I don't with, know like, what's the bad going teeth on. and like the flat cap, but then he just had to have an Australian accent. I don't know what is going on. Maybe he was like, because <laughs> he's British, maybe he was like, I'm sick of these stereotypes. I'm not even going to do an English accent for this. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. But yeah, it was, his character was weird and made the film yeah. weird, but... It was an interesting idea, like yeah. watching a disease spread and how it affects so many people and how quickly that can happen and how you would... Yeah, like the domino effect of it. Yeah. Just like, okay, so it started in... I think it started in Hong Kong, didn't it? Um, it was definitely China. I don't think it was Hong Kong, but it, it spread through the ports Yeah, of no, it's Hong Kong. So it spreads out of Hong Kong. Yeah. And it just, yeah, it just shows you the journey of how... It's pretty you know, scary. One, yeah, patient zero how big that can spread if yeah. there's no cure and the how the world deals with curing a new disease. They have no idea how yeah. to. Like basically a plague, a modern-day plague film, isn't it? Yeah. It's a bit Planet of the Apesy. Yeah. Of the new Planet of the Apes films. But, um, yeah, it's quite, like, sobering thought. Yeah. Um, and basically, like, Fishburne plays, like, the head of the sort of disease... Yeah, he's like a disease control yeah, guy. In America, yeah, it's basically just like if anything happens it, and he's basically orchestrating the whole thing mm. and, and they test the disease like in their labs and stuff like that and it's all under control. And this stuff. is another like stereotype for him casting though, I find, where even if he isn't a mentor, he's like someone in a position of power. Yeah. He's always like police chiefs, head of such and such, mm. um, like head of a newspaper, even in like Superman, he's Perry yeah. White. Do you know what I mean? It's he's well, always even like on, leader. Um, even in Assault on Precinct Thirteen, he was like the head of like a criminal. Yeah, gang. he's, like, he's like, like the leader. mastermind. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But he wouldn't look right. He's so, quite an imposing looking guy. He's quite yeah. broad. He's quite tall. Yeah, he wouldn't look right as like a right hand man. Like no, a, a crony, a second in command. He looks like a leader. Mm. So um, yeah, I did quite like Contagion. Um. um it was a very middle-of-the-road film for me. I'm surprised mm. it's in his top top known four films. Maybe I think that's what I was saying about, like, I think that one's in there just because it's one of the most famous films. I think well it was, known big, famous I think it was heavily, heavily marketed when it came out. Mm. And so a lot of people were aware of it mm. because he is, there's so many characters, but he's one of the main, yeah. the only characters you sort of come back to all the way through it. Yeah. So... Uh, and then what's the other one? The other one is Mystic River. Mystic River, okay. Which we watched the other night. Yeah, I'd seen this one before. Tell us, Mr. Boyle, how did you get the blood in your car? What blood? Let's start with the front seat. What blood type are you? B negative. Yeah? That's the match we got. Well, there you go. Not quite. 
Blood in the trunk of the car wasn't B negative. I don't know anything about any blood in the trunk of the car. No idea how half a pint of blood got in the trunk of your car, huh? None. This is not the way you want to go, Dave. Well, how's that going to look in court, I mean? You not knowing how someone else's blood got in the trunk of your car. Yeah, directed by Clint Eastwood, mm-hmm. which was pretty cool. I'm just trying to think what F- Fishburne actually did in it. He was the partner. The, the oh, cops, yeah, the yeah. cop partner. Like, he was a real main character, in it? Oh, yeah, so he was like... So there's like three kids growing up. Uh, so it like flashes back basically to like them growing up. Mm. Basically one of them gets abducted and then it's like, you know, 40 years later, 30 years later or something like that. And then it's them. It's about th- three friends yeah. who um, when they were younger, it flashes back to them as children. When they were younger, like there's like a tragic event that happens between them. And when they it flashes forward to them, and grown like up current time. and how they drifted apart and they, mm. they all live in the same town still mm. but certain events start bringing them back together again these mm. guys who have not talked for years and it's the uncomfortable yeah. relationship between them and one of them's a cop okay. yeah. and his partner is Lawrence Fishburne who's yeah. the sergeant as well Yeah, uh, one of them's a criminal and one of them's like a troubled family man yeah. who's still traumatised by what happened to him in his child so definitely wouldn't consider this in like the top four known for for this. Fishburne this was a really big film though. Was it? Yeah, Fishburne this... is like a side character though because he's like he's like the main one of the main three guys like back up basically, and he's yeah. there for quite a bit. Of it, I would like... say it was like equal screen time for the I would say he was one of the four because the main plot is the investigation. Yeah, and he is always with. The guy who's who's the running the investigation, mm. and he's caught. yeah most of the time. I feel like yeah, but again, even if okay, so he's the fourth main character, still the fourth main character. Mm. But then it's a film where there's not many characters, so it's like. But then it's like the same as like the the wife. Wow. Anyway, um, yeah, I wouldn't. But this this I wouldn't, was a big film. This was a big Oscar. That's what, film. Yeah, again, like another one that's like I think it's up there because it was a big film, but mm. not necessarily he was like a main. This was really popular with the critics as well. This was mm. like yeah. sort of a really highly rated film and stuff. Mm. And this yeah, is at a great time film. where Clint Eastwood was really sort of making big films. Like his, all his films were kind of like mm. you know, big, well-respected releases. It's a really good storyline. Yeah, it's, it's really like interesting. Really good, yeah, it's it's weird because I feel like maybe I either it's one of them ones that ages badly mm. on you, or I wasn't in the right frame of mind to enjoy it because. Like I said, I've seen this twice. Right. And when we watched it a few nights ago, it was the first time I'd seen it for... I probably watched it about eight years ago. Right. Maybe more, maybe nine years ago. Yeah. And I remembered almost nothing from it. It was like I was watching it for the first time again. Mm. So either it's one of them ones where, like, you just forget about it. It's mm. like quite... You forget about it quite quickly. Right. Or, like, I was just, like... Maybe not mature enough to enjoy it because it's quite gripping. Yeah, it kept me guessing like the whole time. Yeah. I like didn't know where it was gonna end up. Yeah, like until the very end, I was like, "What is going on?" And like, it's a really like the it's a it's a crime investigation, and those yeah. sort of films can be really engrossing and gripping. And you're watching them uncover the the case, and you're yeah, seeing yeah. it from all angles. And I really like those sort of films, even mm. though I don't watch that many of them. So you would have thought it would have stuck with me more because it's a really good example of that sort of film. Yeah. But yeah, it just like washed over me. But watching again, I was like, oh, this is great. And it was mm. like I was watching it for the first time again. Yeah. 
So yeah, so they're, they're his top, his known four four. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what we come down on at the end of what we think should be his known fours are going to be a little bit different. A little bit different to that for people who haven't listened to the show before. This is what we do: we go through the four films that IMDb suggests the the actor is most known for. Uh, we sort of go through their filmography with the ones we watch, and at the end, we're going to come back and say these are actually the four they should be known for, yeah. and also which ones are our personal favourites because mm. that can be a different thing as well. Yeah. So um, let's have a little break and uh, go through the filmography. Mm-hmm. 1979, Apocalypse Now. 1979, Apocalypse Now. Now, we didn't rewatch this film. No. Did you even know he was in this film? No. Even though we've watched this film? Yeah. I have seen this film twice, Apocalypse Now. I really do like this film. Um, yeah. It's a long watch. But um, I never realised it was Lawrence Fishburne in this film. Right. Until I was looking through his IMDb, like today, preparing for this episode. And I was like, Lawrence Fishburne wasn't in that. And then when I looked up some clips and read about it, I was like, oh, yes, he was. He was 14 years old. What? He is um, the young guy on the gunship, with the, on the gunboat with them. And uh, I've got that little, I've got a little clip for you of him on the gunboat here, Becca, which I'm, I'm just going to show you. pictures, yeah. Oh, my God. As soon as I watched this, I was like, oh, yeah, I remember that I rem- character. I actually remember, I think, I remember thinking, he was 14. Yeah. No way. And this is him dancing to I Can't Get No Satisfaction. And he's the young guy with the, with the team. who, spoilers, eventually gets shot on when he's manning the gun. And they're like, you get the really emotional scene of like, there's a voicemail message from his mother. Like, I can't wait to see you when you get home. That bit was actually recorded by Lawrence Fishburne's real mum. I can't believe he's 14 in this. Well. Oh my God. You can't believe he's 14 in it. The interesting thing is, he lied about his age to get on it. Really? Yeah. How old he says he- it. I don't know how, how old he said he was, but he said that was the lie that launched his career. Oh my God, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so he gets on a Francis Ford Coppola film, like straight away at the age of 14 from lying wow. about his age. That's so good. Yeah. He was 14 at the start of production. Now that film has a like famously troubled production. I think it ran for like two years. Right. So he was like 16 by the end of it. But yeah. I think I remember being like, I think I remember clocking him when we yeah. watched it. I think I have a, I think I have a, like a vague memory of that as well, mm. but I like didn't stick with me and I didn't think of it again. No. Yeah. That's so crazy. Yeah. A um, lot of crazy stuff going on on the set of Apocalypse Now. I mean, there's, I've watched the, um, can't remember the name of it, the documentary about making of Apocalypse Now. Yeah. We've watched it. It's as long as the film itself. And there's multiple books and it was famously, famously troubled production. Um, everyone was sort of losing their mind on it. Like yeah. Sheen had a heart attack making that film. My God. Um, Little were doing drugs. Dennis Hopper, like notorious crazy man, actually got... The young Lawrence Fishburne hooked on heroin during the making of that film. What? Mm-hmm. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So did he get off it? Oh yeah. No, no, he's still on it to this day. <laughs> I'm just. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hell. So that film is crazy. If you want to, some interesting history. Watch the uh, Apocalypse Now documentary. Why? I'm just gonna look up the name of that so I can recommend it. Hearts of Darkness, yeah. Watch Hearts of Darkness, the apocalypse and making of Apocalypse Now. Um, it's really interesting. And yeah, there's interesting books and stuff about it. It's a very famous troubled production that somehow made a great Vietnam War movie. <laughs> Jesus. Um, but the, that's, movie, the movie sounds as 
fucking terrible as the actual war. So the uh, it's it's one of three times that he plays um, a Vietnam vet, though. Oh uh, yeah. So he does in our next film, right? That we're going to talk about. He says, "Oh yeah, I was in um yeah. that stuff," and uh-huh. uh, he's like, "You never want to go to war." Yeah. Uh, he's a black man's got no place mm, in yeah. um, in the war, and then he also have we didn't get around to watching it, but in Last Flag Flying, which it's came quite out recent. only in 2017, I think. Yeah. He plays like an an aging Vietnam vet. Yeah, in yeah, that. yeah. So. But uh, the next film, the one where he also plays the Vietnam vet, is um, Boys, Boys in the Hood. Yeah, 1991. Mm-hmm. This is the first time I've seen this. Same. Very famous film. Yeah. Heard about this loads, heard it referenced loads. I even knew Lawrence Fishburne's like character's name, like Furious Styles. I heard that character yeah. like referred to in media. So he was, he played the dad. Um, again, sort of like a mentor, like knowledgeable. He's quite like learned character. Yeah, it feels like on the block they live on, mm. he's sort of kind of respected as like a really intelligent guy. Mm. But yeah, it's about... Um, you know, growing up in the ghetto mm. in like the like early 90s, late 80s, early 90s. Yeah, I really like this. I can't believe Ice Cube's in it as well. Um. <laughs> yeah, I really like this film. Yeah. It was way more um, like touching and heartwarming than yeah. I expected it to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it was going to glorify the like, ghetto, ghetto life. Yeah. I thought that's what it was about. Right. Having no He actually, again, like part of it, Lawrence Fishburne in... He sort of takes him out to the in the middle of the ghetto and is just yeah. like trying to. He's like starting to chat to people. This is why the ghetto is like it is. This is how they're, they're trying to keep you keep down. down. Yeah, all you, that kind of stuff. This how you can be better. Mm. Ain't nobody from outside bringing down the property value. It's these folks shooting each other and selling that crack rock and shit. Well, how you think the crack rock gets into the country? We don't own any planes. We don't own no ships. We are not the people who are flying and floating that shit in here. I know every time you turn on the TV, that's what you see. Black people selling the rock, pushing the rock, pushing the rock. Yeah, I know. But that wasn't a problem as long as it was here. Wasn't a problem until it was in Iowa and it showed up on Wall Street where there are hardly any black people. If you want to talk about uh, guns, why is it that there's a gun shop on almost every corner in this community? Why? Tell you why. For the same reason that there's a liquor store on almost every corner in the black community. Why? They want us to kill ourselves. You go out to Beverly Hills, you don't see that shit. But they want us to kill ourselves. Yeah, the best way you can destroy a people, you take away their ability to reproduce themselves. Who is it that's dying out here on these streets every night? Y'all. Young brothers like yourselves. What am I supposed to do? Fool roll up, try to smoke me? I'm going to shoot the motherfucker if he don't kill me first. You're doing exactly what they want you to do. You have to think, young brother, about your future. Huh? It's really good. It was almost, it was like the film was a message saying, you know, you can be better. Like, you can... You don't have to... This is the reality of it. Yeah. And only you can change your own reality. Mm. And it's a really... I actually, I thought this was a really good film. Yeah. And uh, this was really his breakthrough film because mm. between uh, Apocalypse Now and this, it was like a lot of small parts, uh, mm. TV acting, stuff like that. Yeah. And then this was like a major role. Mm. And um, and he's really good in it. Mm. Really good. And it was like yeah. they found the, the type of character that works for him mm. already 
in the, a film that early for him. He's yeah. playing that mentor. So figure. he's um, playing Cuba Gooding Jr.'s like father. Mm. But actually, in real life, I think they're only a few years apart. Six, six years older. Yes. Yeah, which is crazy. And he does look young in it. They he, sort of like tried to like dress him up a well, bit. Well, he's supposed to be a young dad. Yeah. But at the same time, like, they, they tried to make him look older, I guess, yeah, and Cuba yeah. look a bit younger. Yeah. Because Cuba's playing someone who's like a little bit younger than he actually is. Yeah. As well. Um, but the relationship between him and Cuba was really good. Yeah. In it. Yeah, I really like that like, chemistry. Yeah, really good. And this was the first time that he... Uh, acted alongside Angela Bassett. Yeah. Who plays his uh, ex wife in it. Mm -hmm. uh, who he acted alongside two more times, mm. which we'll, we'll come to. Mm. Um, but he gets along really well with her, really likes acting alongside her. Mm. And I think they actually only have one scene together in this because most of it's like phone calls. Yeah, there's only. Only one scene where they're actually together, right? It's like a couple. There's like once in the car and then when he drops the sun off. When she drops the sun off and then like later Oh, on. I'm thinking of, yeah, I forgot about those. I'm thinking yeah. of when they meet in the, the cafe. Yeah. Yeah. And he gets his cafe au lait. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So I really like this. It was an awesome film. He was really great in it. Um, definitely like, you can tell sort of like a pivotal like moment in his career. So the next one we watched um, is What's Love Got To Do With It? Mm -hmm. And this was working alongside Angela Bassett again. Yeah. And actually, the interesting thing about that is that he he was offered this role. Right. He plays Ike Turner in this. This is the biography of Tina Turner and Ike Turner. Yeah. And he was offered the role of Ike Turner with this script. Um, he turned it down five times. Why? He they really wanted him for it. Yeah. And um, he kept turning it down. Right. Why is that? He he didn't he didn't, didn't want say. to play the role, I guess, because right. he's such a, a villainous character. Yeah, he's pretty mean in it. Um, but then. When he changed his mind, when he heard that Angela Bassett had been cast. Oh, amazing. So that's what made him change his mind. Right. When they cast her as Tina Turner, he was like, oh, okay, yeah, like she's great. I really want to work for her again. Yeah. It'll work. I'm in. Because he is really villainous in this. He is. And it's, it's a really great portrayal of him. Yeah. Because he starts so cool and so smooth and you really like him at the beginning yeah, of the yeah, film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when he's like performing in the club and he's singing, yeah. and he's at, he's singing. He doesn't. He's not dubbed over Lawrence Fishburne singing in this. Mm. And he's great on stage. Yeah. And you're like, oh man, like. And he's then you the man. see it sort of like the decline. Yeah, and then he's monstrous. And like he sort of can't take that. I guess like Tina Turner sort of like outshines him. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it just gets like really. You see the sort of like nasty underbelly of it all. It definitely doesn't pull any punches. Mm. How'd you get in here, Ike? What do you want, huh? Hey, it's a big night for the land of me. I come to see the show, just like everybody else. How'd you get past security? Oh, come on now. You know me better than that. Okay, I told you, I told you it wasn't over. I told you you was gonna see me again. Here I am, big and bold as shit. You ain't believe me. Thought you was gonna get away from me. Th 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 thought a nigga like me was gonna let you get away from me. You can't get away from me, eh? And I'm in here. Now you gonna act like you don't even know me. Yeah, I know you, Ike. I know you real well, all right? All right, then. Yeah, I really like this film just because I didn't, I didn't really know much about Tina Turner's like history, mm -hmm. um, and it's definitely like she sort of struggled through this time, yeah, like being sort of like a, just like scared. 
I knew um, that Ike Turner was like a piece of work. Yeah. And I had I knew, you know, that all the terrible things yeah. that he had done. Because um, I think that's just something that's sort of in pop culture. I've not mm. never really been into like Tina Turner's music. I don't know anything about her. But I knew that she was married to Ike Turner and he was a real piece of work. Yeah. And it was like upsetting but yeah. interesting yeah, yeah, to yeah. see that. Mm. Yeah. And learn about that. Yeah, definitely. And like he was really good in such a horrible role. Yeah. And um he said that after actually playing this character, he like women wouldn't Thought, go near him. Oh, really? you know, he wow. said like women gave him the what he quoted as the evil eye Whoa. for like a good few years after doing this film. Really? Yeah. Jeez. But this is the film that he was nominated for his Oscar for. Yeah, rightly so, because he's amazing. Yeah, him and Angela Bassett, they were both nominated for this film. Yeah. Neither one, oh. and it is the only nomination for either of them as right. well. Right. Oh, wow. Um, but yeah, this this is his big... This is why I was surprised this one wasn't in his known for. Yeah. Because it's the one that he was like nominated for like so many awards for. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, what's love got to do with it? Also, I'd say he's got like a mu- like a much bigger role in this. Like he's yeah. definitely like he's co lead. Co lead, yeah. yeah. He's got a bigger. He's got a fairly big role in uh, Boys in the Hood. Yeah, but it's still a supporting role. Yeah, because it's Cuba Gooding Jr. who has the lead. Yeah, but then he is the father and he is there all the time. He has like yeah. a big presence in that film. This is the first time I think where he had a proper lead. Yeah, because um, it's a biography of him and Tina. Yeah, so yeah. of course he's got a lead. But yeah, mm. this this was this was. A good film. You heard of the lop, you hear the noise they make. Let me introduce my rocket in. Yes, it's great, just one way. Everybody love my rocket in. It ain't gonna ride in style. Moving all along. It's got to be a motor with a modern design. Convertible top of the girls go mine. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast and up to 25% off outdoor. 
That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Come on, step in my rocket. Don't be late, baby. We pull it all about half past eight. We're going on the corner and get us a fifth. Everybody in my car going to take a So we watched, um, next we watched uh, Searching for Bobby Fischer, which also came out in 93, mm-hmm. which I loved. Like, Oh, you really like this Yeah, it's such a good film. So mm-hmm. it's basically about like a young chess player. Yeah. And uh, Fishman plays sort of like a bit of a mentor. He's playing chess in like, I think it's, is it set in New York? Yeah, like New York. Can't remember where it's at. In a park somewhere anyway. In American, they they always have stuff in the park. So yeah, he basically befriends this young like chess player in a park and sort of despite his parents being like, oh, you know, he's just <laughs> like a bit of a dodgy guy from the park or whatever, like a bit yeah. of a geezer. Um, and also his mentor. That but he, he has a real mentor which yeah. his parents like employ because yeah. they see his talent, this child's talent for chess yeah. and how good he is at it naturally. Mm. And they're like, okay, if he's that good naturally, we need to have him properly mentored yeah. and he can enter the championship. But the kid actually loves just playing in the park with yeah. like all these random people and stuff. He likes the sort of like street hustle of like, you know, jive talking yeah. and like, oh, that's how you're playing it, is and it? Also is like, I think they talk about like speed chess. Yes. Yeah. Which he's sort of like discouraged to do professionally yeah. like if you actually want to be any good kind of thing you've got to play the long game sort yeah. of thing but like in the park they just play like the speed chess and he's kind of like the likes it and Lawrence Fishburne's characters like encouraging him and yeah. stuff like that and because it's so, Ben Kingsley who plays the actual mentor yeah who they employ and he's kind of teaching him in a dry way these are the tactics this is what yeah, you need to do you've he's... got to know like every move that anyone did and all yeah. this kind of stuff but it's the law of like the street. Lawrence like Fishburne's this. more like the soul of chess. Yeah. And it's him who actually makes him interested in the first place. Because yeah. when he first sees him playing it in the park, he's yeah. like, I want to play that. I want to learn that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's but, that um, style that he likes. He's not got a massive role, I don't think. No, like, he's it's not. It's quite a he's small like, role. It's a small role. It's a continuous presence through the film. Yeah. But he just pops up every now and then. Mm. As almost like in the back, it's, it's almost like intentionally in the background, like this is what the boy wants. Yeah. But it's, it's not, it's out of his reach because he's discouraged from going mm. to the park to play with like the hoodlums. I yeah, guess. yeah. What's that? Schleiman attack. Schleiman attack. What'd you learn that from a book? No, my teacher taught me. Oh, your teacher. Well, forget it. Play like you used to from the gut. Get your pawns rolling on the queen side. Come and get it. Put it out, Josh is playing. He didn't teach you how to win, he taught you how not to lose. That's nothing to be proud of. You're playing not to lose, Josh. You've got to risk losing. You've got to risk everything. You've got to go to the edge of defeat. That's where you want to be, boy. On the edge of defeat. But. But what? Play. Never play the board, always the man. You got to play the man playing the board. Play me. I'm your opponent. You have to beat me, not the board. Beat me. You're not who I have to play. You're playing me now. Come on, beat me. So um, I like the film a lot. I yeah. don't. I was surprised that we sort of put it down as a Fishburne film, really, because I probably wouldn't consider it a massive Fishburne well, film he's at in all. It. Yeah, I know he is in it, but it's he doesn't. I wouldn't think of it as he's not. It's not going to be in the known for. Let's put it that way. Okay, he's not in it that much. Mm-hmm. Um, so after that, he did um, a few like TV movies, basically. Yeah. 
Um, first, first of which was the Tuskegee Airmen. Yep, which is I think it's like another one, another one like we said with the um, like racial prejudice kind of theme. Yeah, he kind of was way into this at this point. Yeah, because this and the next two mm. all tackle race. Yeah. And the two, there's two TV movies and one regular movie. The the two TV movies are very much intertwined. They're both set in Tuskegee. Yeah. Um, and the first is the Tuskegee Airmen, which is basically about the U.S. Air Force employing employing like uh, recruiting yeah. like black pilots for this sort of like trial program. Yeah. To see if they were up to scratch, basically. Yeah. In a base. and there was like lots of naysayers, yeah. like. Oh, we don't want like black people on the air force and things like yeah. that, and and the, the base at Tuskegee, and they sort of get le- kept getting left behind a lot. They were like, "We're not, we're just sort of doing like really mundane stuff." Yeah, and it's almost like it was like a vicious circle because it was like we're we're not seeing any success because we we're not in the action sort of thing. So like, yeah. how can we prove ourselves if you're not letting us? do it kind of thing so they they ended up being more of like an escort yeah pilots but then they ended up being they excelled like it the best yeah. ex, uh, ex, ex, escort escort I say escort pilots around yeah. and like people would actually request them i guess it's one of those things where like if you I have to work so much harder yeah. to get your place mm. because instantly just for being black they would have been prejudiced, um, prejudiced like, against them for yeah. like well, these guys can't fly planes. Yeah, yeah. So when they had to fight to get to that point, they're already amazing. They were such good pilots mm. that they were the best of the best. Um, and I actually really like this film. Yeah, me too. It, it's a TV movie, so that you can see the budget restraints in places. Mm. But the story is really good. Yeah, and it is like a historical drama, I, biographical thing. Well, also, like. I think like the TV movie thing kind of lends itself to that like historical, like World War Two kind of thing anyway because it's all of those films well most of those films like if it's on a budget it's sort of like well it's a bit more like authentic kind of thing so um yeah i did really like it i thought also like fishburne's got quite a big role in this one he's like oh yeah he's the lead man yeah main character um so yeah he's like the like hot shot pilot yeah um and well he's just the one he's like quite level-headed throughout the whole thing yeah he starts actually very soft-spoken yeah and as he gets his confidence and gets his wings he becomes way more like the guy in the group who's like encouraging everyone and he he ends up being like one of the best like most respected pilots on the the team but he were he Acts alongside Cuba Gooding Jr. again in this. Yeah. But in this, they're actually supposed to be a similar sort of age. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was really cool. There's loads of great actors in it. Why'd you join the Air Corps, boy? This country has enemies, sir, and there are people who need protecting from those enemies. What people, nigga? All people, sir. To my knowledge, the Germans aren't sparing the colours. To my knowledge, the coloured aren't up to fighting the Germans, let alone beating them. Max Schmeling found out differently, sir. Yeah, it was really. I love like historical stuff. I've already said this on like plenty of like the previous podcast, so that was a really good one um, yeah. that I'd never seen before. And um, well, was it well, quite? It's quite hard to get hold of, maybe because it was like an old TV movie. Yeah, you can re- you can rent it online. Mm. Yeah, um, same same with so so. I'll just talk about the other TV movie he did a couple mm. of years later first. So he did Miss Miss Evers Boys. Yeah, 
um, which is also set in uh, Tuskegee, also set on, based on real events mm. and also deals with like racial prejudice. Yeah. And this was about the um, like syphilis. syphilis outbreak in America yeah. and the cures for that and the tests that were done on um, on black people in Tuskegee. Mm. Well, basically they'd done in, I think it was in Europe, in like Scandinavia, they'd done like a, like a test, like a, what's it called? A control group mm-hmm. or whatever of, of white people and like syphilis. And this was like many, many years later, they needed a control group of like black subjects. Yeah, basically they were saying. Even though there was already a cure, but they just kept. Well, they developed a cure during it, but yeah. then never gave the cure to them because they were like, oh no, no, like black people are different to white people. They can't have the same. Yeah. We need to do tests on them. Whereas like half the scientists are saying, no, like we can have, they can have the same yeah. medication. What are you talking about? And it about? was like over 10 years of this. Like... Yeah, they're basically strung along. Miss Evers um, is the name of the main nurse in charge. And yeah, and there's a little bit of a romance between her and uh, Lawrence Fishburne's character. Yeah. Who actually does take the medication, doesn't go in for the trials and ends up going to war and all this stuff. In Yeah, well, maybe those films are more closely linked <laughs> maybe, than we yeah, thought. Maybe he's playing the same character, <laughs> isn't it? Um, he comes back with a medal, doesn't he? Yeah. So, um, but yeah, this was like was a really, really shocking film. I was yeah. not aware of, of the Tuskegee experiments and stuff. No. And it was awful. But it was really sad because it, so it follows, yeah, Miss Evers. And she was like the the nurse who was with them like throughout the whole process. And it's basically well, like... She was also black and grew up in that community. So yeah. they were almost using her to like lie to yeah, everyone. Yeah, and say, like get everyone on board with the experiment. And then... So she went along with it that basically initially they couldn't get funding and stuff like that. And then they were like, oh, we'll get funding if we do this for like yeah. a year. And then it just like... Year, we'll get funding for an actual cure. Yeah. You just have to tell them that the, we are curing them yeah. by doing these tests. And it was all like placebo So she's stuff. in a place where she has to lie yeah. to them because it's the only place, only way she thinks that they'll actually get treatment. Mm. So she's telling them constantly they're getting treated and they're Actually, not. Actually, they're doing and nothing. every year she's told, oh, one more year. Mm. And it ends up being, you know, 10 years more of her lying. Yeah. And none of these people getting actually cured at all. The treatment, yeah. So it's an incredibly sad story. And she actually, like, sacrifices her relationship with Lawrence Fishburne's character yeah. to keep the sort of premise going. She desperately wants to have a life with him. And she does. She wants to do the right thing. Like that, she wants to obviously her main priority is to get these guys like the treatment or whatever. Mm. And she's like, if we, if I tell them, it's going to ruin the program and all these years wasted. And like, it's so, it's such like a conflicting story. It's like one of them things where I've gone this far, I have to see it through. But it just keeps going further. Like she says Mm. in the film, it's like climbing a, climbing a hill. They say, oh, the, it's just over that hill, and she climbs up the hill. And then there's and another hill. And then they hill. say, oh, no, no, that's not the top of the hill. You can see the new peak and constantly yeah, yeah. going. and Yeah. So it was really, it was extremely frustrating to watch. Yeah. Like, it was an amazing story. Well, it's not even a story because it's real, which mm. is, like, the more... That's what I found like, so shocking. I couldn't believe this was a real thing that happened. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So, but, uh, so, yeah, it's definitely worth a watch. Um, so, yeah, two really interesting biographical yeah. race-related TV movies at the yeah. same time. And in between, mm. he did the film adaptation of Othello. Yeah, Shakespeare. Um, and he was actually the first... It was the first time a black actor was cast in a film version of Othello. Right. And Othello is supposed to be like a, a man of colour. Mm-hmm. Um, well, he's called the Moor, isn't he? Which is like Mediterranean... 
And I think in the film it seemed it seemed to allude, allude to the idea that he was like North African. Yeah. Yeah. And it kind of it doesn't I thought it didn't dwell too much on his race, but it did come into the, the story a lot. I wasn't familiar with the story of Othello. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's not a Shakespeare play that I had much not got any knowledge of before, yeah. other than I knew it was a romance. Yeah. Uh, like play. a tragedy. I knew it involved race slightly. Hmm. And that's about all I knew. Yeah, yeah. And this one was one that was actually recommended to us. Mm, cool. So um, thanks to Henry, uh, listener Henry, who recommended this. Um, I think he must listen to uh, Weird Tales, where I talked about studying Shakespeare. Oh, right. Um, and I think he, the recommendation was based on this, like it's a really good adaptation mm. of Othello, a really good cast. Mm. And um, I actually really enjoyed this. I really did like this. Yeah. It takes a while, like we were saying, we only watched this one like last night, but it takes a while to sort of attune your ears to the language use. Mm -hmm. So like for the first probably 15, 20 minutes, I was a bit like, it was quite difficult for me to kind of in my mind, like translate what was going on. But then actually relatively soon after that you sort of just like slip into the yeah like language use. i think the stories a lot of time the story the shakespeare stories are, are quite they make them very easy to follow like he's a he's a good writer yeah i don't know if you heard this shakespeare was a good writer um but i think <laughs> he, he was writing for the masses so the the stories work in a simple level like just watching you can work out what's happening yeah and then it's like an ex- it, there's like layers. If you can understand the language, you will enjoy it even more. Mm. And then the more educated people would understand the metaphor and the, the wordplay that's going in. And, so it's, yeah. it's, it's levels to it. Yeah. So I think anyone can enjoy it, mm. but some would enjoy it On more. On different levels. Yeah. yeah. Um, for me, it wasn't so bad because I've been studying. Mm. I, I, I study English language and um, I'm currently in the middle of a degree. And um, I spent the last year doing some study of Shakespearean language. Mm. So for me, it didn't take so too jarring. bad to get into yeah. it although this was the first time i'd watched a shakespeare play after studying him right okay so it was actually really kind of pleasurable for me to like oh like i could feel my studies Using, kicking into yeah. my brain like oh yeah yeah i get yeah. this um and i quite enjoyed it and it was it was refreshing to watch a shakespeare play that i had no knowledge of hmm. and um he was really good in it yeah he was really good he's the, i think he's, they he all is were a fellow. Well. he's the title character yeah um, and he, we said like, he, oh, he's really good at this. Like, I wonder if he was, um, like a student of Shakespeare. Mm. Cause we said, watching some of the Florence Fishburne films, he's so well spoken. Yeah. Like learned. It made yeah. us think that like, maybe he was a language studio. Maybe he did study Shakespeare and that. I don't think so. Oh, really? He said when he. Yeah. But all actors sort of like, I think depends how you get into acting, but a lot, a pro- like a lot of them do study Shakespeare. Don't he they? said this was, um, the first time he'd read any Shakespeare since he had to study Hamlet in school. Wow. Like he had not studied Shakespeare mm. since, yeah, he was in yeah. school and did had yeah. to study Hamlet a bit like every student does. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Oh, cool. So he was approached to play the lead role and took it and then, yeah. Yeah, it's get a really his head good around film. the Shakespearean language and mm. he really nailed it. Like this was a really good portrayal of that character. Mm. I think it must be quite hard as an actor to kind of get the like pathos, kind of yeah. like the to be natural yeah. and deliver the lines in a way that's natural and engaging and not awkward and stilted. Yeah, and he did a really good job of that. Mm. It is the cause. It is the cause, my soul. 
Let me not name it to you, you chaste stars. It is the cause. Yet I'll not shed her blood nor scar that whiter skin of hers than snow and smooth as monumental alabaster. Yet she must die. Else she'll betray more men. He was the highlight of the film for me. I know yeah. he's the lead character, but he was like really good in it. And um, what's his name? Branner. Kenneth Branner was Kenneth like Branner. sort of the villain of the piece. He was really good. But he also was like breaking the fourth wall. Like... Yeah, he's like scheming, more of a cartoony character. Yeah. Whereas Othello is playing like someone Serious. being manipulated and controlled and he's going for all sorts of yeah, conflict. Yeah. And yeah, he had a lot of emotions to do. Mm. And he was... I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, Lawrence um, Fishburne's performance was just awesome in that. Yeah. So definitely, thanks for the recommendation. So thanks for recommendation, because I probably wouldn't have watched yeah. this one without that recommendation, mm. but yeah, this was great. So what do you want to talk about next? Um, oof, the There's n- a few after Miss Evers' Boys. Well, actually, the one he did on the same year of Miss Evers' Boys, right. Event Horizon. Right. You haven't seen this film, right? No. I I really like this film. Okay. So I'll just quickly talk about it. Um, I won't go too in depth as you haven't seen this one, but yeah, this is a sci-fi horror film. Yeah, and it's absolutely nuts. Really, <laughs> it's absolutely bonkers, and I love how crazy it is. It feels like the prelude to kind of like the Matrix, like setting him up for. It's it's crazy. It's hard to explain. He plays the captain of this spaceship, basically. Yeah, and. Um, I won't go too into it. I really want people to watch this. So I don't want to give too much away, but okay. it is crazy. It involves basically a portal to hell. Right, okay. And Sam Neill is a crazy, playing a crazy, evil villain who's been through this portal to hell. Oh my God. And it's gone crazy. It's <laughs> And there's all sorts of shocking depravity on show, like right. when they find the logs of the, of the missing crew and stuff. Okay. It's a crazy, <laughs> horrific film. Did you say it's like a horror? Definitely. Oh, right, okay. It's shocking. Okay. <laughs> I was taken aback watching this. Really? Yeah. Um, was it quite big? When did it come out? 1997? I think it's got a, quite a big cult following. Right. I think, uh, well, I spoke to um, uh, my friend Rick, who some people may have heard on some other podcasts I do, but he, he said, oh, he liked Jurassic Park, so he watched Event Horizon because he liked Sam Neill in that. Oh, and God. then was like, oh, my God. Because <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's a shocker. I really think people should watch If you haven't watched Event Horizon and you've got a strong stomach, give it a go. It's a crazy sci-fi film. And even if you don't like it all that much, it's not like anything else I've seen. Right. You ever seen fire and zero gravity? It's beautiful. It's like liquid, Slides all over everything. Comes up in waves. And they just kept hitting him. Wave after wave. He was screaming for me to save him. It's crazy. Um, anyway, so what have we got after Event Horizon? So we didn't watch these. Hoodlum, Always Outnumbered. That was a TV movie. And Welcome to Hollywood. Yeah, so next one... Next um, big one is The Matrix. Matrix, yeah, 1999, which we spoke about earlier. Yeah, Um, followed by Reloaded and Revolutions, 
uh, they filmed the sequels together and yeah. Mystic River came out actually just at the pretty much the same time as Revolution. So what he must have filmed it after he did the make filming the Matrix while they were and in it like, was released between the two yeah. sequels while they were editing the third one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we talked about all them, mm-hmm. and then after that, 2005, it's Assault on Precinct 13. Yep. Which is which, a remake, the remake of Assault on Precinct yeah. 13. So he plays um, he plays basically like a mob mob boss. Mm. He's like a... But he, again, he's like a really suave, like yeah. intelligent guy. He's like, I've never been like arrested kind of thing. He's always like dodged like the law, and basically he... He's very winds, unfazed by anything. Yeah. He winds up getting arrested, and they, due to like adverse weather, like some like snow on it during his transport, they basically get they have to stop at this precinct thirteen, which is almost closed. Like everyone's yeah, gone. It's not, it's not supposed to have prisoners incarcerated yeah, there. Yeah, and it's like New Year's Eve, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So um, there's only like three people there, sort of like the dregs, and um, they get this massive like mob boss turn up on their doorstep and then and then chaos in shoes and it's like i mean it's a real trash action film. yeah i actually really liked fishburne's character in it yeah i did as well i thought he was definitely the best part of the film yeah i assume you know who i am sergeant you're a gangster that's accurate he's a cop killer and crime is your fellow officer, Marcus Duval. If I make it to court, his whole team goes to jail. They can't allow me to leave this precinct alive. They can't allow any of us to leave here alive. When this is over, you're going back to jail. This ain't about me and you. Not yet. We gotta put them all down. So Ethan Hawke's like the main like police guy. Yeah, in I didn't find him thing. convincing in no, this role. No, I really don't. I didn't suit him. No, he he's not very... He's not like a compassionate character. He just didn't seem like the sort of guy who'd be like running the show, yeah. like running the precinct. When he, they were calling him captain, I was like, him? Yeah, he's only there basically because he was injured. Yeah. And like he lost some like teammates in like in the field. So he's basically resigned himself to being a desk jockey and but it's one of the ones where it's one of those films where the the cops have to team up with the villains to fight off the bigger threat yeah so you know before long they're unlocking the cells and they're all giving them guns and there's all and like stuff. mistrust and yeah. kind of stuff like this it's a real trashy action film it wasn't terrible but yeah. it's like it wasn't it wasn't exactly it's a masterpiece amazing. it was like we put it on in the afternoon and watched a trashy action film but, but Lawrence Fishburne's character was the best thing about it yeah he was very fun to watch in this yeah. like how like just yeah suave and unfazed he kind was kind of mysterious a little and bit didn't take long for him to be like calling the shots yeah everyone's looking to him to lead well he sort of leads he's sort of like leading like the criminals and then Ethan Hawke's supposed to be leading like the basically it's an older police guy and his secretary and his like shrink that secretary such- character <laughs> please it's such like a misfit band of people oh, they just got like, this like yeah yeah it's a real product of its time i think of like yeah. the sexual politics of it aren't amazing it's a bit of there's fun. like a, a secretary walking around in fishnets who basically wants to shag everyone <laughs> it's really <laughs> that bizarre. character i could have done without anyway uh, but yeah so it's not going to be on anyone's list of their top four i don't think it's a trashy action film though 
A uh, little little bonus fun one, um, the film Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Oh, yeah. He plays an un, he has an uncredited cameo in it, a bit like right. Kate Blanchett does in Hot Fuzz. Okay. He's the voiceover on an advert that's on the telly in one of the <laughs> scenes in the background of Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Fair enough. Uh, the next one that we watched, uh, Aquila and the Bee, which came out in 2006, which I really liked. This was actually the first one we watched yeah. of our like ones we hadn't seen before list. And again, like... He plays like a mentor. This was like spelling bee version of searching for Bobby Fisher. Yeah, it was kind of, yeah, it really was. Like, (laughs) as a young kid who like needs kind of like guidance and like mentoring. It was weird because we watched, they were the first two we watched. We watched one night and one the other. And I was like, this is the same film. (laughs) (laughs) But he's much more involved in this one. He was the producer on this. Oh, wow. Of this film or one of the producers. Um, and he's like a major character in this, yeah. Yeah. He's probably the main, aside from the girl, the main character, the main adult character. Yeah, yeah. Let me ask you something. Where do you think big words come from? People with big brains. (laughs) Right. What do you see? A bunch of big words I don't know. Ah, look again. What kind of power do we get from the sun? Solar. So, what does soul mean? Sun. What does terraneous sound like? Terrain. Meaning the earth. Solid terraneous means the sun and the earth working together. So where do big words come from? Little words. And how many little words do you know? Tons. Yes! And there are tons more for you to learn. There are Greek ones. There are Latin ones. French ones. And if you learn them all, you can spell any word, no matter how big. So um, I really like this film. It's you pretty, did. It's pretty good. It's like just fun. It was like a little bit. It was a little bit like cheesy. Yeah. It's like more of like, a, like more a, of like a kids film. It's but like a yeah. feel good film. This was again. This was the third collaboration with Angela Bassett. Yeah. Who played Akila's mum yeah. in this? Isn't it weird how they sort of like just kind of weave each other's? I think he might have, if he's one of the producers on this, I imagine that he probably got her on board, yeah. Yeah. Uh, But this was like a nice, feel-good, heartwarming film. I mean, I've got nothing negative or glowingly positive to say about it. Like, this is right down the middle for me. Yeah. It's very watchable. It's easy watch. Very heartwarming. Quite like actually emotional. Like, his character had like a tragic history. And when it got into that... I actually found like that because this was the first one we watched actually yeah. I, this was the first inkling I got of like oh he's actually a really good actor yeah more than like just being a cool guy who's in the Matrix yeah, yeah. like the pathos his character had in this really worked on me like very touching mm. um, yeah and I loved the training month there's like a training one time I was like you're getting Rocky for <laughs> spelling stuff and he's like my favorite bit of the film is him looping around her banging a dustbin lid <laughs> Yeah, well, she's words. like skipping. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Uh, yeah. Uh, Mission Impossible 3. I don't remember I, I didn't even remember him being in this. I'm not like huge on the Mission Impossible films. Um, I think he was a bit part. I looked I mean, it up definitely. and he is that, he's the like director of whatever organization Company, at right, the moment. Yeah. You know, that classic character that he gets cast in a lot. Because mm-hmm. um, I watched a few clips today and I was like, oh yeah, he was in that. But yeah. Nothing to stand out. Oh my god, out. he was the narrator of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah, but before that, he was also in Bobby. Yes. 
Oh yeah, Bobby. Yeah, so yeah, 2006, Bobby about um, the about assassination me. of not about you, assassination of uh, Robert Kennedy. Robert yeah. Kennedy, who shot um, at this like hotel. This was a weird film. Yeah. I when I started watching this, I was like, oh, I'm not getting this. I don't. I didn't like it mm. for like the first three quarters of the film. I didn't get the gimmick of it. I didn't know right. much about it. Yeah. I thought I was in for a biography of the assassination of Bobby Kennedy. Mm-hmm. But really, it's about all the people surrounding who, him when it happened. Yeah, like, it was about everyone else in the hotel that where it happened. Yeah, it's sort of like lots of little mini stories again another, in the same time period. Another but, ensemble piece. Yeah, for him, and he's really not a big part at all. Tiny because, part. Yeah. He's basically just like the head chef in he's, the hotel. Exactly. And he's in maybe three scenes. Yeah. Um, but then, like, no one's really got a big part in this. No. Uh, Anthony Hopkins is in this. How many scenes is he in? Like, three? Yeah. As well, playing chess for three scenes. Like, um, so, yeah, it cuts between so many different... This, this cast is huge. Yeah. And um, it cuts between... Like, no one's really got a big part. Like, Sheila Booth's in it. Yeah. Elijah um, Wood. Elijah Wood. Yeah. Uh, like I said, Anthony Hopkins. Like, like so many people. Yeah. Um, Lindsay Lohan, briefly. Yeah, Sheen's in it. Um, what's her name? Heather Graham. Yeah. And. Ashton Kutcher's in it. Yeah, there's loads of people in it. Mary Elizabeth Winston, Sharon Stone. Sharon Stone? Demi Moore, yeah. Yeah, there's, there's lo- so many people in this. Anyway, it's a big cast. Huge, huge cast with loads of people playing loads of small roles. And all leading up to the tragic event yeah but then you see how they're all wrapped up in this yeah event and actually the last section of the film I was like wow this is actually really good yeah yeah but it I just didn't a, know where it was going it takes like, a long time to like get going I feel like it's one of them films if I watched it again I would appreciate it because I would know where it's going yeah um and if I guess I felt more knowledgeable about American history and stuff yeah I would get the things it's nodding it's towards like, more you see loads of little bits of the puzzle and then at the end they just all fall into place and you're like, oh yeah, shit, there's the full picture. Yeah, it's just not the film I was expecting when I watched it. Mm. And again, I actually really loved Lawrence Fishburne in this, Yeah, but he was only in three scenes. It was a tiny, tiny part for him, yeah. Now, have you ever seen Fantastic Four Rise of the Silver Surfer? Um, it's the second of the original I Fantastic Four films. I think I have. Really? I don't know. No, this is not a good film. I saw this at the cinema with one of my friends on a whim. We just wanted to go to the cinema and was like, oh, we're just going to see the new Fantastic Four film. Yeah. And we both came out thinking, well, that was really bad. Mm. And it was notoriously bad. But I love Lawrence Fishburne's voice in this film. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Is he a voice in it? He voices Silver Surfer. Right, okay. So Doug Jones, um, who's the guy who plays all prosthetic characters and everything, plays yeah. Pan and, and in Pan's Labyrinth and... Oh, um, cool. Yeah, yeah. And Abe Sapien in the Hellboy films. Like, he plays the Silver Surfer, right. but Lawrence Fishburne voices him. Right. At the time, I didn't know it was Lawrence Fishburne. Yeah. And I remember thinking, that film was terrible, but I love Silver Surfer's voice. Uh, and I even said that to Jibs. And looking up today, I was like, oh, shit, it was Lawrence Fishburne doing the voice. <laughs> no wonder you liked it. So it was the only bit I liked in a bad film. I don't think I've seen that one, actually. I think I've only seen the first one. Yeah. Neither of them are good. No. But yeah, I, I actually... So again, Lawrence Fishburne was the best part of this film. Yeah. Because uh, he has such... He plays it very, like, um, calm right. and balanced. Yeah. Um, and soothing, because obviously Silver mm. Surfer's like an alien. Mm. But he's like Dr. Manhattan, where everything's yeah. very, like, placid. And it's just 
Lawrence Fishburne talking very plain and And I feel passive. a bit like the same as like Superman as well, kind of very like no not that much emotional range. It is known by many names. My people called it Galactus, the devourer of worlds. It must feed on energy to survive, both thermal and organic. How could you willingly serve this thing? Because I must. Doesn't it bother you? All the worlds and innocent people you've helped destroy? My service spares my world and the one I love. Yeah, it's really, it's really soothing. The way he plays Silver Surfer, I find the voice so soothing. Mm. I want him to do ASMR <laughs> Silver Surfer. <laughs> <laughs> My God. The most obscure ASMR. That is pretty obscure. So after that, he got into TV He did a big a stint on CSI. Big stint on CSI. And I'm not a CSI guy. I've never watched CSI. But he was mm. in it for like three years, yeah. playing a very major role. Um, in between, he did uh, the film Predators, which right. I've seen. Yeah, I've not seen that. This is, uh, I'll just very briefly talk about it. This is... Um, in the alien sort of like... Yeah, it's in the alien predator mythology. mythology. It's it's a really cool concept. I actually think this film's really underrated. It's mm. It's loads of people on a planet, which is basically a big game reserve for Predators. Right. And they're all being hunted. Right. Okay. So it, it kind of throws the concept of one predator and a bunch of humans from In the, the original way. film to have like loads of predators and they're just going to chuck a load of humans on there as well and go nuts on them. Mm-hmm. And um, Lawrence Fishburne was quite highly billed on this. Right. He filmed for two days. Yeah. And is in the film for like a few minutes. Really? Like wow. he is barely in this film. He's like someone they come across at about the hour mark of Whoa. the film who's like survived on the planet for a long time. My God. It's like a little bit part he did in the middle of making CSI, I guess. Huh. So, yeah. It's crazy that they build him so high though. By, that, by this point, he's like very like... But I respected, guess, yeah, like, yeah, reputable like, yeah. actor, yeah. So then it was Contagion, which we talked about, yeah. Um, and then he uh, did Man of Steel, yeah, which is the Superman film, um, twenty thirteen, yeah, part of the DCEU mm-hmm. um, universe of films. God, um, I haven't seen this for ages. I actually don't mind Man of Steel. Yeah, I think a lot of the DC films are pretty bad. Yeah, and I know this one is very. Like people are hot and cold on yeah. this. Yeah, it's all right. I think it's all right. Good. This is the first time that Perry White, he plays Perry White, mm. leader of Daily Planet, whoever, and um, this is the first time Perry White was portrayed by as a as a black man. Yeah, um, and he's fine. Like Perry White is, a, it's not a very interesting role. Mm. But then again, he's like sort of a role of kind of he's got. Um, he's like respected. He's got like status. gravitas. Yeah, yeah, he's got like status. So like again, like another. He's sort of like a bit typecast in that. Yeah, and he continues playing this character in Batman v Superman as well, mm-hmm. uh, which is not a good film. Right. <laughs> I really didn't like that film. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, this is like a, I think would have been a more recurring role had those films been more successful. Right, yeah. But I can't see him appearing is in those films Is that what you think anymore. he sort of switched to like Marvel? Yeah. Well, He's one of the only people who's done both yeah I guess we'll talk about that when we come to Mm. to Ant-Man and the Wasp but uh, then he went back and did some more TV work he did Hannibal Mm -hmm. I love that TV show 
He plays uh, Jack Crawford in that. Mm. But we can't really talk about TV on this podcast. So we'll skip forward to Passengers, which you watched and I didn't. What can you remember about the film Passengers? Because I remember you not being overly enamoured by it. Oh, yeah. Um, it was fine. It was This ending was like quite meh, if I remember it rightly. I remember this film coming out. It was just like a really gratuitous, like, here's two of the most famous people on the planet right now. Let's put them in a movie. Yeah. And like, yeah, it was a bit weird. It was one of them films where the hype for it was massive when all the trailers came out. And I really don't remember Lawrence Fishburne being He's, in it, really, because... All I know is he plays the captain of the ship they're on, again. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, like, they're all in, like, stasis, so yeah. I don't think he's in it. I can't remember. I've all not watched much. it for a long time, but basically it's like um, Chris Pat's character is, like, transporting a million people to a colony. Hmm. He wakes up, he gets really lonely, and he sees jennifer lawrence's character and like decides to wake her up as well and then they're like fuck we've got to live on here for another like i don't know how long it is 100 years or something we're definitely gonna die it's like really weird i can't remember how long it is yeah (laughs) night they were awakened 90 years early oh wow okay so yeah uh it's basically him like chris pratt's character has been like well selfish been like i need somebody to talk to i remember when it came out and like everyone was hyped from the trailer and then when it came out everyone was like it's really bad (laughs) yeah it's just like a bit meh like nothingy so, not one, a big one for um, Lawrence Fisherman at all there. But then the next film. Right, John Wick, Chapter 2. Oof. Amazing. I do like these John Wick films. It's basically like Morpheus Part 2. Where you go to reunite, <laughs> reuniting of Keanu and Fishburne. Yeah. And uh, he plays a really fun, crazy character in these, the Bowery King. Yeah. He sends messages through Carrier Pigeon and he's like yeah. the leader of the under underworld. Yeah. Um, it's great. It's such a fun character. Yeah, really cool. And everything is over the top in the John Wick films. And this character is very over the top and mm. larger than life. And he reprises the role in the third one as well. Yeah. And um, there are a few sort of like allusions to the Matrix. Yeah. It little nods to the Matrix in this film because it is Keanu and Fishburne yeah. again. Um, but in the second one, this is what's crazy about this role in this film. Mm. For me, Lawrence Fishburne is such a big part of that franchise. Right. That I forget he wasn't even in the first one. Yeah. And in the second one, he has 10 minutes of screen time. Oh my God. Less than 10 minutes. But I always think of him as a massive part of those films. I think, do you think it's just because it's like, he's got such a presence? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. He is. He doesn't show up till like an hour into that second film. Yeah. So for the, say half of that franchise, he's not even in it. Yeah. Shows up half through the second film and is instantly such a big presence that he is just part of that franchise to me. Yeah, no wonder they brought him back. Yeah, and he's mm. so such a great cartoony character mm. uh, in a film that's full of great cartoony characters. He's so characters. Like, booming, like his voice and like his personality and stuff. Is, yeah. yeah, and when they get him on the ropes in the third one, they just couldn't couldn't give two fucks. Basically, yeah. Yeah, he's great, great character. You made your point. You have earned my fealty. Matter of fact. I'm going to shove so much fielding up your ass, it's going to come spilling out of your mouth. You had your chance. Well, since you see it that way, I guess it's time I told you to climb down off your high table and go fuck yourself. Duly noted. You gave John Wick seven bullets. Your penance will be paid with seven cuts. Well, sometimes you got to cut a motherfucker. 
Avert your eyes, my sweet. The king is dead. Long live the king. Um, Ant-Man and the Wasp. So we touched on that briefly. Yep. So he's basically jump ship to Marvel mm-hmm. from DC. Yeah, one of the only actors who's been, been able to do in so. the MCU yeah. and the DCEU. Yeah. Um, there's only a few. Like He's maybe the most character in a prominent role that's mm. done it. So he plays Hank Pym's like old kind of uh, like peer, basically. Yeah, they got a bit Like of, a little bit of a rival. There's a rivalry but... between them now, but... Yeah. Yeah, he was the guy who used to... Because Ant-Man can grow yeah. uh, from Civil War onwards. Yeah. He was the guy who used to do that. And yeah, yeah, in, yeah. in the comics, he's known as Goliath. But yeah, I actually think Ant-Man and the Wasp is a really, really fun, overlooked Marvel film. Yeah. Because um, I think it came out in between Infinity War and Endgame. Mm. And it's much smaller in scale. Yeah. Literally smaller. It goes in the microverse. Um, Ba-dum-bum. Thank you. But it's a really fun film. Yeah. A really fun cast. Yeah. And he's a really great part of it. Yeah. Going that big, it must have been exhausting. I slept for three days straight. You have no idea. Actually, I do. Back in the day, I was Hank's partner on a project called Goliath. Excuse me, you were a, my partner? The only thing more tiring than going that big is putting up with Hank's bullshit. Right. <laughs> <laughs> How big did you get? My record, 21 feet. Not bad. You? I don't no, really, I'm curious. 65 feet. Whoa. Yeah. Huge. 65. If you two are finished comparing sizes, we need to figure out a way to track down the lab. He's not a massive part, though. Like, he does... He plays, He's like, an quite an important part. character, but yeah. it's not a big role, yeah. Yeah. And, like, uh, and, and in the Marvel films, they use a lot of the de-aging VFX tech. Mm. But for him, interestingly, for his flashback scenes, they just got his son... Oh, cool. To go in and play him, and then just slightly touched him up because they look quite similar. Yeah. So um, Langston Fishburne, mm. Lawrence's son, came in and played played the younger version of his dad in the flashbacks, mm. which is pretty cool. And um, like I said, the only there's not many main major characters who have been in both the MCU and the DCEU. There's mm. a few smaller ones you can look up lists online. The only one that would come close to like a major role, I guess, is um, the guy who played Shazam. Yeah. Uh, Zachary Levi. Mm-hmm. He was one of the Warriors Three in the Thor films, right? Okay, uh, only in the second and third because he was recast. Uh, so yeah, Amanda Lewis really like. I really like his character in it as well. Mm. I said before, I do. I do like the Marvel films. They're good, fun action films. Mm-hmm. We watched the Mule, but he's not hardly in that really. Yeah, I think we're getting near to the end because the Mule's only last year. Mm. So the Mule, he has I a love pretty that. small role. Love that film. Did you? Yeah. Okay. It's really good. I love Clint Eastwood though. All right. Okay. Um, I, I it's thought a lot, the film it's, was alright <laughs> it's a Clint Eastwood like last hurrah it was just so fun like the risk of it and stuff yeah like so it's about an old guy just trucking around like uh, kind of at, being for, a mule. at first accidentally transporting like cocaine and then he realises and then he just was like fuck it and carries on <laughs> yeah exactly um, second collaboration with Clint Eastwood for Lawrence Fishburne yeah. after Mystic River and the, so there's two guys who are on the trail yeah. And their boss is played by Lawrence Fishburne. Yeah, so it's a very small So role. it is a pretty small role. It just yeah. cuts back to him in the office basically going like, oh, have you got this guy yeah. yet? Yeah, we need some arrests. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. There's like maybe three or four scenes where he's just shouting at Bradley Cooper and Michael Pena. Yeah. Um, so yeah, well, second um, film alongside Michael Pena because he was in That Man and the Wasp. 
Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But yeah, really small role. Um, not much to say about it. No. And then Good fin- film, but not one for Lawrence. And then finally, the most recent film, um, actually the most recent film he's done. Well, he's is- in Where Do You Go, Bernadette? Oh, but- sorry. Yeah, I missed that one. Yeah. Okay, so Where Do You Go, Bernadette? We actually spoke about this on the Cape Blanchett film right, podcast. Yeah. We hadn't watched it. Okay. At the time we did that, we said, oh, we've we wanted it to now. watch this, but we couldn't, couldn't see it. I really liked it. And we've seen it now, yeah. yeah. So first of all, would it have made a difference to your Cape Blanchett Maybe. Episode? I think I would have put it up there as like, maybe one to watch, like my, yeah, like a, my kind of favourite. Not I know my favourite, but I, like, know I really that you did it. really enjoy this yeah, film. Yeah, I liked it a lot. I probably would have been uh, highly recommended. Yeah. Um, but he, again, this is a tiny role. I feel like he's just doing lots of really small parts yeah. at the moment because this was a tiny role. Yeah. He shows up in like a documentary talking head about Kate Blanchett's character right, in a documentary yeah. they're watching on YouTube in the film. And then they meet for coffee in one scene. Yeah. And he says to her, Oh, Where? you have to keep creating. You're a creator. And tries to get her, like, spark going again. He's like an old um, colleague. Yeah. Yeah. Who thinks she's brilliant and that she's, like, sort of let it go a little bit. And, and she's um, it. yeah, she sort of goes to him as, like, a soundboard. Mm. And they have a coffee, don't and they? And that's it. That's, like, yeah. his scene. Mm. That's why I forgot. Yeah, <laughs> I forgot yeah. about it. Um, so the newest one, Running With The Devil, which you watched and I skipped out on. Yeah, I watched this the other night when you are out. I said, I'll watch the newest one for mm. us. Um I thought this was pretty dire. Right. I really didn't enjoy it. This is really boring to me. Oh. Um, I very rarely am distracted when I'm watching a film. Yeah. But for this, I was like on my phone a bit, which is really unlike me. I'm not someone who sits on their phone, but even I was just all, like, sort of scrolling through Twitter and stuff when I was watching this. It Ugh. was dull. Really? Has he got a big part? Oh, yeah. He's like him and Nick Cage, are like the co-leads. Right. So, yes, yeah, that's why I was like, wow, it's like a drug running film with Nick Cage and Lawrence Fishburne. This what is going to be trashy up. and great. Yeah. But it wasn't. It really? was trashy. It was just dry. <laughs> it was really boring. It was more about like the logistics of transporting cocaine. Oh. But then it would cut to these kind of, he plays a really crazy character. It's like the we film. We know about opens, the logistics. We watched the meal. <laughs> the film opens with naked Lawrence Fishburne laying on the floor. Right. Um, you have to watch Lawrence Fishburne also going to like a peep show and masturbating through the glass. Oh, weird. I didn't like seeing him in this role. Yeah. Uh, hiring two hookers and having like an orgy party whilst they're like snorting coke. I didn't like him in this role. Yeah. But even though, like we've said this before about other actors and actresses, just like we don't like seeing him in shitter roles because we actually really like the actors and actresses. But seeing him play like Ike Turner, who is a complete scumbag but it was such an amazing performance yeah. like it's just he's like enthralling to watch exactly like, you're just like mesmerized like by the whole thing but it sounds like this was just the on just totally missed the mark i just didn't like he just didn't see this role and i like like i said i don't yeah. mind him as a villain as great as like turner even assault on precinct 13 which is a trashy movie i like him as the villain in yeah. that film. he's got presence yeah he's a makes a really good villain he actually said in an interview like before he did Matrix, he was like, I was always typecast as like villains. I guess I look like an imposing guy. Mm. Um, before he started being more typecast as, as like mentor figures after he did mm. Morpheus. I like him as like a villain, but this was like him being a scummy villain and I didn't mm. like it at all. Yeah. What about Nick Cage? Just naff. Nick Cage He's is really an enigma. Miss. He yeah. is. Oh. oh, and the, everyone, no one had actual names in this film. So. Right. Everyone was like the something. So Nick Cage was the chef. 
and um, Lawrence Fishburne was the man. Oh my god, <laughs> he wrote this. Um, yeah, it was a weird film. Oh, it completely okay. bypassed me. I just saw it pop up online when I was like um, searching for films. Uh, well, actually, when I was on IMDb scrolling through, and I was like, "Running with the Devil, 2019. What's this?" Right. Looked it up, and yeah, I watched it when you was out the other night. Hmm. He's so. got some stuff coming up, so look a few things in like pro- post and uh, pre-production. Brothers Keeper. Um, there's a TV movie in there, and something called Crimson Blues, which I'm sure will be out in the next. I don't know. However, however we didn't. Long. I did want to watch Last Flag Flying. Uh, we didn't get around to it. Oh, just yeah. ran out of time. It just looked like an interesting cast. It has an all right, all right reviews. Uh, Lingletter directing it. It's him alongside Brian Cranston and Steve Carell playing like Vietnam War vets. I was like, that's a weird, interesting combination of people. Mm. So maybe I'll, I'll watch that at some point. Yeah. And the other one I really wanted to watch was Thurgood, but I just couldn't find it to watch. Maybe I just I didn't know where to look. But mm. this was like a, a stage show that he did, a one man show. Oh. Um, and it was like praised mm. and then they recorded a a version of it and right. released it and it was put on telly but I couldn't I couldn't find this anywhere oh. to watch um, but I'd heard that he was amazing in this and it is just him on stage giving a speech it's like a one man show but mm. like apparently it's gripping I guess if we find find it and watch it then we'll do a little addendum yeah cool so anyway, that's the uh, filmography. We'll have another little break and then we'll come back and talk about our yeah. favourites. So now we're going to talk about our, what our favourite top four are. Yeah. Um, do you want to take it in turns or are you just going like, to list them out? No, I think we just list them out. Yeah. yeah. Did, you, did you find this easy or hard to pick yours? Uh, fairly easy. Yeah, yeah, I found I had I kind of thought normally as we're going through the episode, I sort of make notes when yeah. I'm remembering things. For me, I sort of looked through this earlier and was like, Just "Yeah, then. this is easy." Yeah, it came down to like six for me. Yeah, but um, I think there's a clear four. I've got like yeah, I've got six actually on mine that I've sort of like marked. So you go first. So what's your your personal favorite? Yeah, these aren't in any order. Yeah, but um, definitely the Matrix. Yeah, up there for me. I've sort of, I've got the Matrix on mine as well, but I'm sort of like just kind of rolling them all into one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like just put like the Matrix the ma- is well, like... Also like the Matrix one is a masterpiece. Yeah. The others, are f- I like, I do enjoy them, mm. but I wouldn't say they're my favourite. I like I like these other films more than the Matrix 2 and 3. Right. So this is the Matrix one for mm-hmm. me. Um, this is a small role. Right. But it's got to be in there. John Wick. Okay. But... You know, just as a thing, as a whole thing. Let's say John Wick 2, because it's the one his character was introduced in. Right. Less than 10 minutes screen time. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> Barry King's so good. Okay. So John Wick, chapter two. Yeah. Um, I love that film, but it's not in my list. Event Horizon. Right. Okay. Like I said, I love that film. It's crazy. I You're trying it. to get it in there any way yeah. you can. <laughs> and Othello. Okay. I thought he was fantastic in it, and it made me really engage with yeah. a Shakespeare play yeah that's cool so they're my four matrix john wick chapter two othello event horizon your personal fave so yeah. mine is matrix mm-hmm. tuskegee airmen uh-huh love a bit of like historical biography. that was that was a short list for me as well yeah uh Akilia and the bee ah, okay. really good film um he's got a massive role in that and i really it's just like a heartwarming film so i love that mm-hmm. and uh what's love got to do with it uh-huh really like that film even though he was a total douche 
You said there was but, a couple that were close for you. What were they? Um, John Wick, like really close. And I really liked him in Assault and Precinct 13 as well. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, my other I close... didn't like, the film was fine, but I thought he was great. My other close one was Boys in the Hood. Right, yeah. I really liked his character, Furious Stars. I really mm. liked his character in that film. So, so Tuskegee and Boys in the Hood were my like runner-ups. Yeah. yeah. So what? Um, what's your known for then? What do you think we should replace IMDb with? Right. So we definitely keep Matrix. Yeah. But get rid of the sequels. Yeah. Get them I think out just of there. stick number one in there. Uh, what's Love Got to Do With It? I think we can both agree. Yeah, that's on my because list. Because Oscar nomination, yeah. fantastic performance. Yeah. Get that in there. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. I would say, even though it wasn't on either of our lists. Right. Boys in the Hood. Yeah, oh, that's on. Oh, that's actually His in my top. His breakthrough role. Yeah. Really pivotal. I like that we're both on the same page for yeah. this. Okay, this is the, my fourth choice is sort of between three, so I'd like to know what you are thinking. So my last one is Othello. Okay. So mine was between Mystic River, just because it's a big film. Right. Um, Othello, yeah. because of the pedigree of it. Yeah. And John Wick, because of that franchise and, and the status of it. Mm. But it is a small role. Mm. But if you're saying Othello, I think we'll just go with that. Because, yeah, he's one... He's one of the main characters he always plays like alongside somebody he's always like a co mm. like lead mm-hmm. on stuff like in everything and he was definitely a co-lead on this and it was his performance is like incredible yeah so. he's the title performer and mm. i think even if you struggle with shakespearean um like dialogue like, yeah you can understand what's happening just from the visuals because it's so well made and so mm. well performed that just the actions of the characters yeah and he's portray the story yeah his actings yeah really just like so believable even though they're basically talking gobbledygook <laughs> <laughs> okay so one of us is a language student <laughs> <laughs> um so wow that was the quickest we've ever agreed <laughs> agreed yeah. on the known for boom done so sorry contagion and the other two matrixes we complete we, we've only kept one i feel like imdb though like it's a bit selfish of them to just put three some well sometimes it's actually changed since i looked at and it and like no way contagion for like what he should be known for i mean that film's fine and he's fine in it but like he's so good in it's other an things ensemble yeah like, he's so good in other things mm. and mystic river yeah it's a massive film but he is just a really su- he's a supporting role and he's good in it but it isn't the character hasn't got that much to do no he's sort of like the bad cop they play good cop cab yeah. bad cop a little bit but then it's him and who's who's he Kevin Bacon, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's him and Kevin Bacon. But even his presence doesn't... There's no pivotal thing that he finds out that character. Well, there's he's nothing the one he... who wants to pursue... Yeah. I can't like spoilers, but... He's the one who wants to follow a, the major line of questioning that the main film is, like, pivoting on. Right. He is a... Like I say, he's the fourth main character yeah. in a very good film, but those other films, like... Morpheus such a memorable character. Yeah. Boys in the Hood, like, his breakthrough performance mm. that got him noticed and is so good mm-hmm. in it. Othello, we've already been heaping praise on that. And what's love got to do with it? He plays a monster, mm-hmm. but he's so, like, you're, you're transfixed on him yeah, when he's on yeah. screen. Yeah. When he's being so, like I said, that opening shot Villainous. where he's on stage and oh, he's, yeah. like, commanding the room. It's he's charismatic. so cool. Yeah, so charismatic. He goes from charismatic to, like, completely villainous. Yeah. And then you can't take your eyes off him because you're, scared of him yeah basically later in the film yeah so um yeah i think that's pretty good perfect let us know what your um 
Yeah, what your known force would be if you've yeah. got any up there that we hadn't watched that we maybe should have put on our list. So we'll just quickly run through ours again. The known four we agreed on was Boys in the Hood, mm-hmm. The Matrix, What's Love Got to Do With It, and Othello. Mm-hmm. Becca, your top four again? Matrix, Tuskegee Airmen, uh, Aquila and the Bee, and What's Love Got to Do With It. And mine were Matrix, John Wick Chapter 2, Othello, and Event Horizon. And any others that you wanted to just recommend... Uh, I just chuck John Wick in there because it's awesome. Yeah, Boys in the Hood, definitely check out, and Tuskegee Airmen, mm. really like that. Um, but we've been heaping praise on a lot of his performances and a lot of the films. Like mm. said it at the beginning, I say it again. I think he might be one of the most underrated actors yeah. out there. Really, so good. sort of for, people forget how good he is. Yeah, go and rewatch Apocalypse now. Yeah, we're <laughs> thinking of thinking of him. Fourteen so, years old. The next episode, yeah, uh, we're going to be doing Sigourney Weaver. Right. Yeah. And um, which I announced a few back a few episodes ago. Yep. And I'll just quickly I'll tell you what her top four are. I'd like to know if you've seen any of these. Okay. So uh, currently her IMDb known fours are Avatar. Yeah, I've seen that. Alien. Yeah. Alien Resurrection. Yeah. No, you haven't. Oh no, I haven't. Yeah, I knew. I thought that's Sorry, the one you haven't seen. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you can finally watch Alien Resurrection. Uh-huh. It's not very good. Mm-hmm. And Galaxy Quest. Yes, we have seen that. So, well, we watched that for the Sam Rockwell episode. We did, yeah. Double whammy. So, yeah, well, I, I've seen all four of those. I'm right. really, really looking forward to watching some uh, films I haven't seen with Sigourney Weaver. Yeah. They've um, not changed either. So, I no. think maybe she's quite stead- they're quite um, predictable. Like, they stick around. So, we'll be. I find it weird that Resurrection is the one. That, of, all, of all the alien, other alien films she's been in, Resurrection's the one that is in that top four, though. Mm. Weird. That's going to be changing, don't you worry. Have you seen um, everything that's in filming and pre-production? Av- like all the Avatar films, right? <laughs> like Avatar, yeah, yeah. That's insane. Okay, so... So, yeah, so that's that's our next episode. That should be out in January. And after that, Becca, do you want to choo- tell us what your choice is for your next actor? Uh, I'm going to choose... I'm going to do Biggie. I'm going to do Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, God, this is going to be... <laughs> A long one. Uh, this is actually um, our most requested episode to do. Oh, this nice. has actually been requested a few times. Whoa. Um, and we sort of mentioned Leo on a few of our previous episodes mm-hmm. anyway. Right. So, yeah, that is I a biggie. I can finally watch The Revenant. Oh, yeah. Well, I've seen that. Oh, yeah, I recommend <laughs> watching that. There's, there's a lot of good Leo films. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, join us in Jan. We'll talk about Sigourney Weaver, mm-hmm. which should be a fun one. And then after that, a biggie, biggie, biggie. Leonardo. Uh, Leo DiCaprio. Yay. Um, so in the meantime, so awesome. if you want to contact us, it's knownforpod at gmail.com. And um, that's about it. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at Bob Shoy. That's at B-O-B-S-H-O-Y. Uh, is there anything else? You, you don't do Twitter, do you? No. You don't want to um, promote yourself in any way? If there's any like Sigourney stuff you'd recommend or any Leo films. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, give us you a got, shout. You've got those two to give us any recommendations for. Always really appreciate recommendations. Uh, let us know your favourites from uh, Lawrence Fishburne or yeah. ones that we should have watched um, that we didn't. Ones you'd recommend for the next two episodes. Mm. And uh, any other emails. It's always nice to hear from listeners. Yep. Cool. Thanks for listening. So, yeah, thanks for listening and uh, see you on the next episode. Bye. Bye-bye. Put out the light. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.